What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Taylor Rooks. In this episode, I sat down with YouTuber turned professional boxer, Jake Paul, to talk about his new career in the ring and why he thinks he is the best boxer ever. This is Taylor Rooks and Jake Paul. Enjoy. All right, well, um, for starters, thank you so much for this free trip to Puerto Rico. Did I pay for it? No, but work did. Oh, oh. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, so since Let's we went to come interview you, we all got this, you know, all expenses paid trip to San Juan. It's beautiful here. It is very pretty. It's so It's so awesome. I love it. Do you well, feel like... You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you trip. so much. <laughs> Do you feel like a bit more at peace here in Puerto Rico? For sure. I, I just feel like myself. I think when you, you know, are in LA or... Miami yeah. <laughs> or Vegas, you, you know, it's just madness. And there's so many distractions pulling you in so many different areas. And, you know, life just gets too crazy in those places for me. And here I'm just able to focus on myself. And I think that's what I need, you know, mm-hmm. as a young man. Yeah. Well, I mean, how long did it take you to be like, okay, I actually want the peace and not the craziness. And do you <laughs> genuinely feel that way? Or you just think it's the right thing for you? Um, I think it took a couple of years of you know, being in that environment and realizing, you know, oh, this is like cool. No, wait, wait a second. This isn't cool. No, like, I don't like these people. I don't, this isn't me. This isn't who I actually am. Yeah. You know, I grew up playing sports and I grew up, you know, just living my life in the outdoors, nature. And that was really it. And I moved to LA and get mixed up in all these other things. But when I came here to Puerto Rico, that's when I like felt like myself again. And I would just focus on sports, focus on, you know, living a chill life. And of course, you know, the chaos is fun. Mm-hmm. There's parts of me that miss it for sure. But I think that part of my life was like college. And I was like a, I was like a frat kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to get it out of my system, you know. Then there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel old now, even though I'm young. I'm like, <laughs> all I do is just business and training. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like the craziness kind of wears on you after a little bit for sure yeah for sure and it's a dead end mm-hmm. which people don't realize like all the partying shit and clubs it seems cool and, it, and maybe every once in a while like if you're doing it here and there but when that becomes your life which in la bro these i'm telling you these kids are crazy yeah <laughs> oh are, i know every yeah. day wake up party wake up party wake up party and you just by way of osmosis you automatically just get sort of looped into it because that's what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing it, then you're the weird one. Luke. Yeah. Well, you know, people were saying I was in Puerto Rico and everyone's like, why are you in Puerto Rico? I'm like, oh, I'm interviewing Jake Paul. He lives here. A lot of people not too happy. I'm here uh, talking to you, which I, I don't know if that's surprising to you or if not you expect that. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, you know, that, that happens all the time. People are like, why are you talking to him? Like ESPN did an article and like all the... You know, ESPN writers were like yelling at the other writer who was doing the story, like, "Why are you giving him a platform? Why mm-hmm. that kid sucks? <laughs> Look at him; he looks like a thumb." Uh, which I do. I'm sorry, but I can't control the way I look. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I get it. I get it for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a very polarizing figure. And that's part of my brand. You know, I think years and years of controversy and like all that sort of shit made me the bad guy. And so 
I was like, okay, fine. You guys want me to be the bad guy? I'll be the bad guy. And now I just have fun with it. Well, I mean, how does it feel to say like being polarizing is a part of my brand? Like your brand is being polarizing? Correct. Yeah. Does that feel strange that that is the thing that is kind of all encompassing with you? Um, there's definitely a disconnect, but like I've gotten used to it. And especially with boxing, it's like every, there needs to be a villain, you know? There needs to be, uh, every movie has a bad guy. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I actually enjoy it because someone does need to ruffle the feathers. And then parts of me are like, damn, like I'm, you know, kind of OD right now, uh, you know, uh, rubbing people the wrong way or whatever, but it is what it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, I got bills to pay, a family to provide for, 30 employees. So we need to keep the lights on. And the way I found to do that is by being the bad guy and proving everyone wrong with my boxing ability because everyone wants to see me get in the ring and to get knocked out. Yeah, people want to see you get knocked out. 100%, and I love it. You know, tune in, pay the money because it's going straight to my bank account and to my friends' bank accounts and my family's bank accounts and my employees' bank accounts and my mom's bank account. So they're literally paying for my whole future. After this fight, I could retire for the rest of my life. So if I have to be the bad guy, I could give a shit. Yeah. Well, what specific thing is it about your personality that you think like breeds this resentment? With people? I think a lot of people are censor themselves with the way they speak or their thoughts. And I just don't do that. And that I think is what pisses people off because they don't agree with the way I think about things. They don't agree with the way I see the world. They think I'm cringe. They think I'm annoying. They think I'm cocky that, you know, I have a big ego or whatever it is. Uh, Are you any of those things? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But like, also, you know, everything you see on camera in Hollywood or on Instagram is not real. And our generation should know that by now. Like, if you, if you look at someone's Instagram and think you can judge their life, or their TikTok, or their YouTube, or watching this interview, if you think you can judge my life right now based off of this interview, then you're ignorant as shit. Because until you actually know me for five, ten years, like, you can't judge me. I can't judge you. I could sit here and read a bunch of stuff about everyone in this room. I could see the shit you done when you were 20 years old. If I had a camera on this guy, he looks crazy. I bet he was doing some shit when he was 20. If I had cameras on everyone in this room their whole entire life, which is what I had to do, then you'd probably see some shit that was like, whoa, that's weird. Uh, or that guy's, oh, that wasn't cool. Or Everyone would get into a controversy. And so for me, I just learn and grow from it. And I can't judge other people and they can't judge me. Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of begs the question, people saying, well, like you did have the camera on you and you still, you know, did whatever these controversial things are. And that's probably what the rebuttal would be to someone who would say something like that. Because obviously everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does really dumb things when they're young. Yeah. But they're not seen. But it's almost like you make the choice for those things to be seen, if that makes sense. No, I think a lot of it was ignorance. Like yeah. being, like you said, a young 20 something year old, 19 year old is when, like when I was 19, 20 and 21 is when, maybe actually mostly 19 and 20, you know, I was living in Hollywood with all my best friends and I thought I was invincible and I had money and all this shit that I ever wanted, power and blah, blah. And I just mismanaged it. Yeah. And I've had to pay for that, you know, like it's not been easy. You know, people have reprimanded me and tore me down and canceled me and I've had to learn and grow for sure, but it's made me a better person. And that's all you can do is learn from your mistakes. And I'm still not perfect. I know I'm going to do some dumb shit 
you know, but that's just who I am. And I'm not afraid to, of anyone. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of being canceled for living my life, you know, and I'm definitely a lot more cautious, a lot more calculated and, you know, a different person than who I was even two months ago. I'm, I'm maturing. I think boxing has helped me with that as well because, and getting out of that world and that lifestyle where, you know, if I did some stupid shit, low key, I would get more attention from it and more followers and more conversation. And so when you're a YouTuber, an influencer, and you start to realize like, oh, if I do some, something that's going to cause some trouble, it's going to piss some people off, but they're just going to talk about me. My engagement goes up, my views go up. And then the people who don't care will just become fans. Yeah. So it's this unhealthy life, like cycle. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That feels like super unhealthy. Yeah. To have to be, you know, your actions are based off the engagement or the conversation. Um, and I just wonder like how that kind of makes you feel at your core or made you feel at your core. For me at the time, I didn't realize how unhealthy it was. At the time, no one in my family was ever rich. No one in my family had anything. No one in my family, you know, we were eating uh, hamburger helper growing up, you know, $5 pizzas. So, boom, I'm seeing the money go up and I'm like, oh, wow, I like this because no one in my family has ever accomplished anything. So I really, at the time, I was very selfish. I didn't care about much of anything else other than, oh, wow, I'm becoming successful. And so... You know, I could buy my mom a Rolex. I could buy my dad the Harley that he had to sell when he was losing all of his money. Uh, and he cried over all selling everything in his house. I can now, you know, get that stuff back. And that's all I really cared about at the time. So you obviously have done so many things. You fit into a kind of a bunch of different boxes. If someone said to you, why are you famous? Tell me, why are you famous? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that I have is no idea. The, probably, that's probably the most, I've watched a lot of your interviews, and that's the most honest answer you have ever given. Yeah. I do not know why I'm famous. Yeah. I mean, if you really boil it down, it's like I made a vine when I was 15 with my brother that went viral, and it sort of just all started there. Yeah. But that's like the, that's like the calculated answer. But, you know, one thing led to another, and I, I would just say I'm an entertainer, but like, I don't know. And at this point, it's like the snowball effect. So just keeps on getting bigger, I guess. Is Jake Ball good for boxing or is he bad for boxing? Answer for me. I'm, I'm the best thing that's happened to boxing in a century, period. You know, and the legends would agree. And the Anthony Joshua's, the Mike Tyson's, the Manny Pacquiao's, the Tyson Fury's. They've all said what I'm doing for boxing is a breath of fresh air. I think that debate, you know, started about a year ago. Is Jake Paul good for boxing? And uh, I, I have silenced that. And I don't think there's anybody on the other side of the equation who thinks I'm bad for boxing, bringing more fans. Uh, I, I'm, I have a foundation <laughs> where we give boxing gloves to as many kids as possible. We're going around renovating boxing gyms, getting the young kids inspired to box. I think this sport needed that uh, revival and that younger audience to come in and really reinvigorate it because it was dying out. It was boring. And 
I brought a new social media wave to it where now fighters are copying everything I do on social media to promote their fights. You know, I'm doing things differently. I got LED screens in my shorts. I got a boxing mascot transformer robot. You know, I'm shaking the tree. And I think in old uh, dying things, the the tree needs to be shaken. Do you feel like you, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, you have made everyone feel like they can become a boxer. They can. And they can become a world champion if they want to. They just, obviously, it's hard as shit, you know? And you have to have natural talent, but that's the beautiful thing about it is if you feel like you have something to fight for, then you can become a boxer. And boxing changed my life. And I'm going to prove that. You know, that's the beautiful thing about this is I'm going to become a world champion because everyone said I couldn't and that I wasn't a real boxer. And they were saying, is this kid good for boxing? So I'm literally just going to do it just to prove everyone wrong and to show, you know, the the nine-year-old or the eight-year-old who's watching this interview that you don't need to listen to anybody, anything, or anybody, any, sorry, I can't speak. I've been training. Anybody, anything anyone says, Jesus yeah. Christ, uh, you just don't. Why? Why should I let someone tell me I can't do something? And that's really like the hidden message in all of this is just showing people that anything is possible because it truly is. If you work hard and have a will greater than anybody else's. So another criticism, as I'm sure you know, is you're like, well, he's not fighting real boxers. What's your response to that? And how can you put yourself in this category if you have not done that yet? I mean, I'm fighting a real boxer now, you know, December 18th, Tampa Bay, Amelie Arena, fighting Tommy Fury. He has a decorated amateur background. He comes from a legendary bloodline of fighters. The Fury family is famous. His older brother is the heavyweight champion of the world. He's undefeated, same age, same height, same weight. Uh, he's a professional boxer, whatever, whatever that means. So, of course, you know, people are going to have criticisms and I welcome it. And it only, you know, draws more attention and motivates me to work harder. But I quite literally am fighting a real boxer now. And like I said, this has been 20 months. This has been literally 20 months. So what I've accomplished in 20 months is unprecedented. And everyone needs to take a chill pill because I can only do so much. As fast as these fights can get signed is as fast as I'm going to do them. So I'll fight everybody. Uh, This started with me calling out McGregor. And people were like, oh, that kid's crazy. McGregor would kill him. Da-da-da. And now it's like that fight could happen in the next 24 months, 100%. It probably will, and I will beat him. So people just like are seeing how serious I am about this and changing the way they think about it. Is that McGregor conversation happening? Yeah, it's been happening for, for a while. You know, we're talking to his team, and it makes sense. You know, he wanted me to get more fights under my belt, and build up my name, build up my pay-per-view buys, and that's exactly what I've done. So, you know, we're coming to that crossroad very shortly. Where are we at with uh, Jake Paul Canelo? Any updates? <laughs> no updates. I mean, that that's something that's never been in conversation. But, again, you know, all I got to do is win, which I will, and that's what I dedicate myself to doing every single day is winning. And the Jake Paul Canelo fight will definitely happen. Okay. But so when we talk about you fighting McGregor, I can tell by the way you're talking about it, you're like, oh no, I I would win that. You feel very certain 
Yeah. But you would beat McGregor. I'm sure a lot of people watching are like, all right, is he serious? Like, you can beat McGregor. But you do feel and seem very, like, you believe that you genuinely could. I know I will, 110%. And I think a lot of people watching at home, you know, they're probably watching on their mom's Wi-Fi or some shit. Like, they can't do it. They couldn't beat McGregor. They couldn't accomplish that shit. So that's why they think I can. But I know I can, and that's why y'all are watching me. And it's not the other way around because I'm doing great shit. I'm accomplishing great shit. And I know what I'm capable of and no one can tell me otherwise. And so people watching on their little TikToks or Instagrams or YouTube, you know, they're sitting there being like, this kid's crazy, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Like that person can't do it. The doubters are the ones who can't do shit in life. And so they try to, you know, put that onto other people. And make other people feel like they can't do stuff. So that's really, it's really what it is. And I know I'll win 110%. So what's your ceiling as a boxer? There, there is none. You know, it's as, it's as far as I want to take it. The only person that can defeat me is myself. And that's really the truth, you know. So I put out, um, I think it was on my Instagram story. I was like, who has a question for Jake Paul? If you could talk to Jake Paul, what would you ask? There's a contingent of the internet that really does feel like your fights aren't real. And I'm sure you're aware of this. What's your response to people not believing your fights real, that you have a knockout clause and all these things that it's all made for you to win? Yeah, I mean, first of all, that's illegal, like highly illegal. Because you involve gambling and like odds makers and people betting on the fights. And so, like, I would be in jail if I was manipulating that much money because it's illegal, first and foremost. So if, if there was actually something in my contracts that were like, oh, this, you have to do this or that, I would be in jail, first and foremost. And I look at it as a compliment because people just don't want to believe my ability. And I've knocked, you know, most everyone out in the first round. And it looks, it looks fake, but that's just how good I am. And I beat a five-time UFC champion. And, of course, people are going to have excuses and they're going to do anything they can to discredit me. That's what happens when you're number one. Can you, because, you know, Dana White is one of the people that kind of insinuated that this stuff isn't true. Walk me through, like, this feud that you've got with Dana White. Who started it? (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to end it? How does it end? I want, yeah, I want to know uh, what's going on with that. It all started back in 2000. (laughs) Uh, It started when I was fighting Ben Askren. And he said on a podcast, on Mike Tyson's podcast, that he would bet a million dollars that I would lose to Ben Askren. So that's where it all started. And he then got Ben Askren to go and train with Freddie Roach, who's like a legendary boxing trainer, and was trying to you know, do all this stuff to get him to win. And we just started going back and forth. And I beat Ben in a minute and 59 seconds. And Dana was just silent. He couldn't believe it. Of course, then his only thing is so that he doesn't look like an idiot. It's to, you know, insinuate that these are rigged, insinuate that these fights aren't real. He's doing anything to save his ass because I'm beating all of the guys that were dominant in his league, the, the UFC. And so it's a, it's a bad look for his whole entire company and organization. So, you know, he's smart. He's a smart guy, super smart guy. 
and he's going to do anything he can to discredit me. But again, it just makes the numbers go up and it is what it is. Have you had any one-on-one conversations with Dana? I don't think so. No, I have not. So all of this is just podcast, podcast. I say this, you say that. Where's my money? Yeah. Okay. And now it's fun for me. Like, yeah. Because I see how mad he gets. <laughs> and I'm just like, that. that's what people don't get. Like when I'm trolling, I'm having, I'm just laughing. Like I'll literally just be sitting there in, in my room on my phone, just laughing at like all the jokes I'm making. And I see how pissed off it makes these meatheads. I call them like meatheads because they don't know anything or any other emotion than just like get angry and like react. So it's like, it's like they're my puppets and I just get them to like react however exactly I want them to. Uh, and I'm just always one step ahead. So for me, it's just fun. Like I see him get all mad and say all this stuff. And like, I just laugh at it because he's an old, fat, miserable man. So it's just funny, man. How does the feud end? How do you want the feud to end? Man, I would say a sword battle to the death would be pretty dope. Hugh versus Dana Mm. White. (laughs) (laughs) Pay-per-view. Sword battle to the death. Nah, I mean, who knows if it ends? It might never end. I think eventually he's going to have to do business with me and let his UFC champions come over and box me, you know, just like he did with Connor and Floyd. Because at the end of the day, money talks and he's a smart guy. He wants to make money for the UFC. So he's going to let a champion come over and we'll probably do a co-promotion where I'm fighting Connor, Kamaru Usman or whoever it is. I mean, I think it's very clear you are a very confident person. Um, Everything you say, it comes from some place of confidence. But what are you not confident about? I'm not good at skateboarding. And that's about it. No, I'm I, there's a lot of stuff I'm not confident about. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. I think, you know, I'm still figuring out who I am a, mm-hmm. as a young man. And, you know, I feel like I'm shy sometimes and like awkward in like social situations. Um, you know, if you asked me to go up on stage and dance in front of people, I'd be like, I don't want to really do that right now. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. You know, I think everyone has insecurities. And, and if they act like they don't, then they're, they're the ones with even bigger insecurities. It takes courage to admit that you have insecurities. And I think all of us do. It's just human nature. What's the thing you like the least about yourself? My nose is crooked from boxing. <laughs> that's it that's it? the thing i mean that's like only one of the because things. you pointed it out i would yeah. never thought that because I, I broke my nose meditating i like passed out before one of my fights i was like meditating long story which uh, fight nate, the nate robinson fight you passed out before that fight 30 30 days before so I, like i fought that fight with a broken nose yeah crazy yeah it's crazy but uh yeah so it got like a little bit crooked and then through just like sparring, it just like keeps on. So the thing that you're most insecure about is something with your appearance, nothing in your personality. Um, you know, I think my I make dad jokes a lot that aren't funny. 
Like, I still have, like, Disney Channel humor from being on Disney Channel. I think I'm hilarious. Do you know what you do? Like, if I ask you a question that you might be like, oh, no, no, you always go to humor. Is humor just, like, a thing that you do if you don't know exactly what you want to say? Probably. I mean, that's how my family is. Everything's a joke. And everyone just, like, makes fun of each other. And, like, I think when you've had a lot of trauma in your life, comedy comes from pain. What trauma in your life are you referring to? Man, so much shit. I don't even know if I want to get into it, but just, I mean, everyone has their own shit. You know, I'm not saying my life was harder than anyone else's or whatever, but everyone has their own shit that they go through. Yeah. But are there certain things you've gone through that like you think about every day that you feel like are affecting you every day? Do you have an example of one thing? For sure. Um, hmm. I think... I think what it goes back to like, I mean, the first thing that I'm like feel comfortable sharing is when your whole life is put on display all the time and it's like judged, like those comments and stuff for the longest time, they would like eat me away. And like the hate really uh, like affected me for sure. And I didn't like it at all. Uh, And I had to get to a point where I was confident enough in myself to like really not care what anyone says, but that wasn't easy. And I think I still live with a lot of those comments and things that people said and that like feeling of like uh, validation, like always like, you know, seeking validation from other people because the internet will never like give you that. And so I had to get to a place where I was confident enough in myself, but I think, you know, that lingering trauma of like seeking validation is always there. Yeah. Because sometimes I wonder, I'm like, okay, well, when are we getting like Jake Paul? And when are we getting like the character of Jake Paul? And I'm sure because you've been doing this for so long, the lines are probably blurred for you too at times. Like how often are you trying to figure out which one is you, which one is made up? I I wouldn't say I, I don't, I don't have a character. I think it's always me. It just like, I I can, you know, turn it up when I need to in certain instances, like I can go into a business meeting and be super smart, educational, you know, talk about stocks, bonds, cryptos, NFTs, you know, day trading, whatever. Or I could go and turn into a killer in the ring and beat the shit out of somebody and make them bleed all over the floor and not give a shit about it. Or I could sit here like on today, it's a Monday. I'm super chill. Like I'm super tired. So I'm just like super, you know, just chilling. So it's always a, it's always me. It's just like, I'm in different moods a lot of the time. I think I'm a very like moody person. So sometimes I'm going to act up. Sometimes I'm going to be funny. Sometimes I'm going to be chill. That And I think people see a lot of shit that I do, you know, and they pull from whichever one they want to. My fans love the, this Jake, the, the people hate the, you know, loud mouth, cocky Jake. Uh, so, you know, I guess it's different each day. I don't know. Before the uh, Woodley fight, you did the face-to-face, uh, which was very entertaining. You were both very funny in it. But one thing that he insinuated was cultural appropriation from you. And, you know, online there are people that feel like you do do that. Do you understand why some people say that about you? Mm, I don't. I really don't. I think it's a reach. In what ways? 
it's just like I don't get how um, how people could say that. Doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think they're referencing, I don't know, maybe the way you dress or, you know, I think the big thing is they say, okay, well, once he entered into this like boxing arena, he kind of changed how he was, how he dressed, how he acted, which they then feel like you're appropriating the culture once you got here, but maybe what, feeling what like culture? you don't. Black culture. Gotcha. Nah. I mean, I'm, I'm young and I'm still, you know, figuring out the things I like. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm influenced by certain things. And if I see streetwear or jewelry or whatever and I want to wear it, then I like that. You know, mm-hmm. that's me. That's my style. And so if I'm being me and people think I'm culturally appropriating some something, then I, I don't like get get over it. I'm just dressing. I'm not I don't wake up in the morning and be like, I'm going to steal this. That's stupid as hell. I don't. It's a reach. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, just just to play devil's advocate, I think that when people talk about cultural appropriation, I don't know if they necessarily think that you are intentionally saying, I want to do this, I want to act like this black person, whatever the case may be. I think black people feel like someone's appropriating if they're doing things that are considered like black mainstream, maybe aren't caring about black topics or black issues. And that is where the term is coming from. I don't think anybody thinks you're intentionally doing that, but that's what it comes off as to others. Gotcha. So I don't know if it's as much of a reach as it's just like a thing that maybe has been presented to you um, in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. Okay. I mean, I would love to talk to, with you about it like, and learn more, you know, off camera. Because, like, I don't know. I, but, again, I'm not, I'm not doing anything to harm anybody. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> it makes sense. But I just want you to know that's what they mean. I don't think it's some intentional thing that, that they believe to be true. Um, I was reading something where you said that on your mirror, you write things, right, that are motivational yeah. to you or to remind you of certain things. Tell me three of the things that are written on your mirror. Uh, one of them says, I, Jake Paul, will knock out, defeat, and embarrass Tommy Fury, December 18th, live on Showtime. Um, <laughs> another one says... People say impossible, and I say let's find out. That's another good one. And another one of them says the kid who hasn't made it yet is trying to outwork you. Mm, okay, tell me one more. I like those last two. I like the first one too, but it just doesn't apply to my life. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. Uh, one of them says what would Michael Jordan do? Okay, and you ask yourself that every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like he was the best, maybe one of the best athletes ever. So, just thinking about that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, how much sacrifice do I have to make? What would Michael Jordan do? He would make the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. What have you had to sacrifice to become a boxer? Everything, <laughs> fun, sex, food. Wait, you had to sacrifice family. sex? Yeah. Why? Because you're only you're only allowed to have sex like once a week. And then leading up to the fight, you can you can't have sex for like three weeks. Oh, never knew supposed, that. Yeah, you're supposed to build your testosterone in your legs and shit. Gotcha. Okay. Uh yeah, time with my family, like vacations, Thanksgiving, Christmases, birthdays. That this is all just in the past two years. Um yeah. 
birthday parties, weddings. So for you, what will ultimately make that sacrifice worth it? Do you feel like it's worth it now? Yeah. Or is it, yeah. No, it is. It already is current, currently worth it. Yeah. For sure. But I want more. I'm hungry. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> for someone who, you know, has been in the content world where things are likes and engagement and follows and views and things like that. Now to this, where it's like, there's always going to be like another fight, another person, somebody else saying they like you or don't like you. There's always something like, are you satisfied or will you ever be satisfied? Will there always be like another thing you'll have to do? Yeah. I think about this often, you know, will I ever be satisfied? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know the answer to that yet. (laughs) I think it might be no, but we'll see. And for me, you know, I enjoy my life outside of the chaos and, you know, the work that I do. And so I think there will come a point where I'll just ride off into the sunset and live on a ranch with my family and have horses and ride dirt bikes and just chill for the rest of my life. That's satisfying. But as far as like what I want to accomplish, I don't know if I'll ever be satisfied. No, I don't know. I mean, is that like scary to think that you could be doing all this, but satisfaction isn't necessarily the end goal that you'd receive from it? It isn't, it isn't. Because I think the greatest people ever, legends, are never satisfied. And so they're constantly wanting to do more even when they've done it all. And that's what makes them legends. And that's what makes them great. And maybe that has a toll on them, but the way it influences generations to come is what makes it worth it. What is the thing, and I don't want your answer to be winning because I don't believe that to be true, but like, what's the thing that ultimately drives you? I mean, in all things. Like, why? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? Hmm. I think freedom. I think just the ability to be free of any worry and to be able to do whatever it is that I want in life. If I want to wake up one day and fly to Paris on a jet, then boom. If I want to wake up one day and start a foundation, then boom, I could do that. Did that. You know, if I want to wake up one day and go on vacation for three months, then I could do that. If I want to wake up and go snowboarding, I could do that. If I want to wake up and surprise my girlfriend with the dopest date in the world, I could do that. If I want to just have kids and be a dad for the rest of my life, I could do that. And I think that's what drives me is just freedom. Yeah. Like being able to literally do whatever you want at any time. Yeah. And do you feel like it's being the entertainer that is the means to that? Or is it being the billionaire that's the means to that? Like, what is the thing that actually gets you there? I think being a, being a billionaire, for sure. But I think it goes hand in hand for me right now. I think it's like what I do is, you know, make money from entertainment and currently invest it through my fund and into crypto projects and NFTs. And that's the stuff where, you know, you compound your money into billions. And yeah, I think there's a certain amount of money that you need in this life to be able to retire Mm -hmm. and live the life that you want and still be able to pay those bills for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I just, I wonder how much 
Like I know you're saying, you know, you reached a point where you don't necessarily care what people are saying about you. The validation isn't the thing, but it's just so hard to operate in that way when you are an entertainer, because in a lot of ways, that's inherently what entertaining is. For sure. You know, there's not, there's one of the greatest feelings is, you know, creating something and having people appreciate it. Yeah. And we're taught that since we're kids, you know, we're taught, mom, look at the drawing. And it's just a scribbly little thing. Yeah. And it sucks. But our parents are like, that's amazing. And honey. you're proud of it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's innately, we're taught that as kids, it mm-hmm. create something and you want it to be liked. And so, yeah, as an entertainer on, on the biggest stage, of course, you want, you want to be liked or respected. And I think for me, it's boxing. It's like, I want people to be like, damn, that kid is good. He, yeah. he could fight. Okay. But that's motivating. Yeah. Motivating. Because you've done so many things and I think that your life, I would think what your life looks like right now is not what 10-year-old Jake Paul envisioned your life. Maybe it's similar, but it's certainly not exactly this. Because I don't know if it even existed right when you were 10 years old. But if 10-year-old Jake was looking at your life and what they ended up doing, tell me the thing that 10-year-old Jake would be the most proud of that he did. Hmm. I would say you know, getting to the place that I'm at and being surrounded by amazing people and my own brother and doing it alongside of him and having my parents' involvement and making them proud. And I think one of the dopest things that I've always wanted to do was to create a foundation and a charity. I think 10-year-old Jake would be like, that's dope. Okay. What's the thing 10-year-old Jake would be the most disappointed that you did? Probably all the tattoos. I feel like you're resorting to humor again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you another regrets. chance to answer. I don't have regrets, you know? You have no regrets? Nope. says it right there. And it's spelled wrong. Yeah, like, like the, the thing. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I... But, nah, you know, disappointment I'm, doesn't mean yeah, you regret it. it. Hmm. I don't think about it. So I guess I really don't know. Like, that's really the honest answer. I don't wake up and be like, man, I'm disappointed today. I feel like that's terrible to do. Well, I mean, what do you think it says about you if you don't think about things that maybe are disappointing? I mean, I get, I say, oh, why'd I do that? I, was- I, I, think, I think in the moment, if like you're disappointed in something, of course you have to reflect, change, and learn from your mistakes. But I'm saying like, I don't constantly think about it. I think there's a lot of things. There's a laundry list, you know? Mm-hmm. Of, of shit that I've disappointed in myself that I've done, but like I've already moved on from it. So it's like, wow. Well, the things that you moved on from that you did, did you learn from them? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, 100%. Some of it, yes. Some of it, I'm still learning. It's not an overnight process, you know? But for sure, always learning. Mm-hmm. Always trying to get better. And that's all you can do, you know? If people are going to hate on you for doing something wrong, cool, that's probably warranted. But they should also give you the chance to get better and to prove yourself and to have a second chance. I want to read a quote from you because I think it's a really interesting quote and something that in a lot of ways I, I agree with. You said in a New Yorker article, you said one thing that is great about being a fighter is you can't get canceled. Yeah. 
What do you think it is about being a fighter that like insulates people from this cancellation, which nobody has ever really canceled, just for the record? No, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I think because as a fighter, you are literally doing the most barbaric thing humanly possible. The only way to legally kill somebody is in a boxing ring or an octagon. They're the only way to legally kill somebody in today's society. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy to think about. That so is. you are literally doing the most barbaric thing. You're putting your life on the line. You're risking everything. And you have to be, I, I think you have to be crazy almost to do that. And I think people, uh, the fight fans, the fight audience, the, the sport, they don't really care about what happens outside of the ring. Because what they does just that wanna... say about boxing, though? Because I do agree that yeah. that's true, but I'm like, well, is that good? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably for crazy people, for sure. It is what it is, you know? It's uh, the modern-day gladiators. Boxing has just evolved from when they would throw a guy in there with a sword against a lion in front of a whole entire arena. And the whole entire arena would either watch a man get eaten by a lion or the man would conquer the, with, the lion with a sword. Mm-hmm. And so boxing has just evolved gladiators. Yeah. And so I think we're humans. It's hard to shake that feeling of wanting to see two people just, just go, go at, it. at it. Yeah. We're, people love it. I love it. Yeah. It's just funny how easy it is to like, not like a boxer. I'm indifferent. I don't really care about anybody, but I understand like the emotions that it elicits you specifically, but it's just so easy to say, okay, I don't want to root for this person. Yeah. And just for you to say like, it doesn't weigh on you at all that people are so actively not rooting for you. It's like, I believe it, but it's hard to believe because human nature is to like, even if maybe don't care as much, you do want to. But they do, you know, it's like 50, 50. So it's like, if it was all bad and ever like I was literally like the worst person in the world and it was all hate, then yeah, that would probably be, I wouldn't like that. Yeah. But it's not that I, I have so much love. I have an abundance of love. And to me, the positivity outweighs all the negativity and, you know, the people and the legends who have taken me under their wing and shown support in the boxing community. That means more than anything that, you know, Macho Man 44 on Twitter could say, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that when you really step back and think of it, do you recognize or understand why certain people are hesitant to be a fan of yours due to the sexual assault allegations? Do you recognize the hesitancy because of For that? For sure. For sure. 100%. You know, that's, that's something that's like a, thing that I'll have to live with uh, for the rest of my life 100% and when you when someone's accused of something people's you know natural instinct is to just believe whatever is said that's the generation we live in you know the media paints a picture of whatever it is that they want to paint and we're on our iPhones scrolling through and we just see a headline and we're like oh yep that's true so there's a lot of reasons why you know, people are hesitant to embrace me or be be a fan. And I, I get it, you know, I get it. 
if, if I was on the outside looking in, I'd be like, hmm, at, at face value. Like, I'd be like, I don't know about this kid. I really don't. But if I took the time to understand me and dig a little bit deeper, I think that's where that's when someone becomes a fan or they could see my, you know, they could see who I actually am. Because I mean, obviously, I know you, you know, you released a statement about and of course, for all people, sexual assault allegations is something everybody can and should take incredibly seriously. You know, you don't want to take away her voice the same way that you have a voice as well. But I do think it's interesting. And this is about society as a whole, that a lot of the times all people have to do is like deny something and they're able to go about the rest of their lives where the person who maybe accused you, she said she gets death threats. And there's just always going to be an imbalance even though it's not even about what exactly happened, there's always an imbalance that exists. I mean, just because it's between women and men. And do you ever wish maybe when she was getting those death threats, you said, okay, you guys calm down. Like, I don't want this to be what's happening to her. Yeah, no, I mean, no one deserves death threats. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, no one should have sent her death threats. You know, that's not, that's not the proper way to deal with. Yeah. She accuses, I deny. Ooh, it should be what it is. But no, my fans shouldn't like go attack her. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Okay. In a general sense, I think it's fair to say that boxing kind of has a culture of misogyny. Is that something that you think can be changed? I think so. A hundred percent. I think it needs to change, you know? And I think that's the beautiful thing about our society is everything's out there. Everything's on camera. Everyone has a voice. Mm-hmm. And so I think people really second guess things when they, when they do it. You know, they, they realize the everlasting effects of what could happen. So I think as a society, we are becoming better people 100%. Yeah, yeah. As there are things that you feel like boxers specifically can do to battle that? Because as someone, obviously, who's a woman, that is an issue that a lot of women have with boxing or why they decide not to watch it is because they just feel like it's so apparent in the sport, which is sad because it's a fun sport. Yeah. I mean, I think the only way is to talk about it, mm-hmm. like how we are now. Yeah. And that can trickle down. But, you know, it's hard. Why do you think people should watch boxing? What makes boxing, you know, a good sport? Man, I don't, it's not my job to convince them. You know, uh, if they don't watch boxing, I, I don't care. Don't watch it then. Okay. Well, tell me how your match is going to go. You against Fury. How's that going to go? Walk me through it. But be careful because when this happens, I'm going to like, we're going to do a side-by-side of the fight <laughs> and what you said. Of course. So. Of course. I'm standing right by it, 100%. <laughs> okay. We're going to get in there. I think feel each other out first couple of rounds. He's going to feel the power I have instantly get scared and not know what hit him. He's going to realize he was thrown in with a dog, slowly going to crumble. And my momentum is going to build and build and build as the rounds go by. And fifth or sixth round, I'm knocking him out. Okay. And you're 100% 100%. sure that this is a win. It's happening. It's a wrap. 100%. People will see a Jake Paul they've never seen before. And I'm excited to just show. You know, I, I talk a lot, but for me, this one is about 
you know, proving the whole world that I can knock out a professional boxer. This is the this is the sweetest one for me. This is the most important one for me. And I'm gonna sit here and talk and say all these things, but on December 18th, I'm gonna back it up. And what will winning that signify? I think it'll just show like, hey, this kid came in and in less than two years flipped this sport on its head. Be some amazing fighters. And uh, he's the real deal and has such a bright future and that we should respect this kid and all that he's doing. And it'll show young kids that, hey, you know, even if millions of people are saying you can't do something, then then you can do it. Frank Gore, Darren Williams. Pick. (laughs) (laughs) Man, Frank Gore was looking good on the mitts. Mm-hmm. He's got the, he's got a size disadvantage though, and uh, apparently, Mr. Williams has been training in MMA for years, and I haven't seen a video of him hitting the mitts yet. So, in my opinion, I think both of them have so much pride and ego. I think it's gonna be an amazing fight. If I had to pick, I, I gotta see a video of Mr. Williams, but I would, I would just say him just because of his height. You would say Darren. Yeah, Darren's going to win for sure. Okay. I was watching a podcast and you said you were talking about your fights and like what you'd want. And you go, I mean, there's an NFL player who wants to fight me, but you didn't say who it was. What NFL player wants to fight you? Uh, There was a couple. I think one of them was Frank Gore. That's how we knew he wanted to fight. Okay. Uh, At some point he was calling me out. Mm -hmm. There was another one too. I forget who it was. Who would we be like most surprised to hear has had an interest in fighting you? Oh, wow. I don't even know. There's so many names. I'm trying to think of like the craziest one. Chuck Liddell, like Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. The, the list really goes on. I'm forgetting like tons of names. There was like some random like actor that was hilarious. Really? Oh, you got to think of who the actor is. I don't even know. I'm, I'll think of it by the end. Okay, of, yeah, of yeah. Get back to us. We're almost done. So just get back to us. Um, tell me your dream like NBA fight. Two current players fight. You're like, this is a good matchup and tell me the winner. <laughs> it's got to be LeBron versus... Giannis. And who wins? (laughs) I think, I think Giannis would win. You think Giannis would beat LeBron? Yeah, just. What gives him the advantage? I think he's just a little bit bigger and he's a little bit more scrappy. Okay. I think LeBron wouldn't like to get hit because he always flops. (laughs) And the flopping would translate over. (laughs) Yeah, he'd be like, I don't like, because when you get hit in the head, everything changes. Yeah. That's when it's like, oh, wow, this is boxing. Yeah. I mean, I always say about fighting, not boxing, never box, but fighting. It's really about like getting hit. Because if you've never been punched, it's like a shock to you. Yeah. Like someone intentionally trying to hit you is something you have to like rebound from very quickly. Yeah. I got into a fight once in college. And I was win? like, oh my gosh. It was very quick. Dude, I like win, sure. But it wasn't like a... It wasn't a real thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I remember getting hit and I was like, dang, oh, like getting hit is the is the thing. It's easy to like throw a punch, but you got to be ready to bounce back. Um, okay. Tell me your dream NBA fight. I mean, NFL fight. I'm sorry. Ooh. It would be funny to see some quarterbacks go at it. I want to see if Aaron Rodgers got hands. Okay. And maybe Baker Mayfield versus Aaron Rodgers. Winner? I think Baker would win. Baker beats Aaron. Yeah. Why you choose Baker? Aaron, Aaron's a little old now. I think he's like 40-something. So Baker would have that youth. Yeah. He's going to move. Get him out of there. Okay. Tell me one thing before I let you go. One thing that people should leave this with. Hmm. Their dignity. Okay, elaborate. People should leave with their dignity. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what people should leave with. I mean, just who knows? I don't know. Maybe a different point of view of me. I don't know. Or... Second thoughts, who knows? I don't really know. I do think it's... That was probably the hardest question you asked. (laughs) Honestly, I think... Really hard. I think it's funny, though. You really should look into, like, how you always go to make a joke. Is that bad, though? It's just, like, such a defense mechanism. Like, I want to go to the joke. You probably told, like, five jokes in response. Because, like, I'm not that serious. Yeah. Like, what should people leave with? And then, like, the crazy music comes in. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what you were going for, but like, I'm just not that serious. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what people do this. Yeah. So like, I tried to answer your question, but it was like, You're like, I don't know. I don't. My tattoos. Yeah. Like, I don't. Comedy. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, again, I'm just not that serious. Do you think life's easier for you that way? 100%. Yeah. 110%. <laughs> it makes it so much more fun <laughs> yeah. if everything's a joke and it's just like, clowning people and making fun of myself that's how we are with each other like yeah my team like people get on each other's heads yeah and in the weirdest most interesting way it has totally worked for you so thank you keep it up or don't you're <laughs> yeah, telling me to, you're telling me to like go see like a therapist and be like <laughs> you go to i resort to comedy no but honestly i mean i i do like therapy i think everyone should try therapy i don't think necessarily you should but it is a thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll work on that. Yeah. Maybe. I'll check back in. Let's do it. <laughs> like next year or something. You guys can come back to Puerto Rico. Any free trip to Puerto Rico that there is, I'll take it. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for your time. <laughs>